I'm Brian Shelton, and you're listening to Harper Talks, a co-production of Harper College Alumni Relations and Harper Radio. Today on Harper Talks, I'm excited to speak with Shannon Plate. Shannon is a graduate of Harper College, a 2010 Distinguished Alumni Award recipient, and is a licensed clinical professional counselor and an author. Shannon returned to Harper in 1996 and graduated in 1999. While here, she received the Motorola Award for Excellence and was a national medalist for the Harper Speech Team. I'm happy to be in the Harper Radio studio with Shannon. Shannon, welcome. How are you? I am fine, thank you. It is a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. We've had so few guests in the studio over the last two years. It's nice to have someone (laughs) actually here. So good, good. It's a great day today, too, to be here on the campus. So, hey, you came to Harper in the 90s. What brought you here? What brought you to Harper? I had uh, also been here much earlier than that, but had no idea what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And so was here for a year and a half or so and didn't do well and and left and went to work. And when, after I'd had my children and was just kind of sitting around around thinking what I was going to do with the rest of my life, I thought, well, school. I need to go to school. Clearly, I need to go to school. And my interests lied in two different directions, either interior design or psychology. So I talked to my husband. He said, yep, all about it, all for it. My kids were all excited, and I signed up for interior design. And so I tell everybody, everybody that I'm starting college. And uh, came, and I got all of my stuff, and I went to my first class, and it was as wrong as wrong could be. Right, right. It was, it was just bad. And I left. I sat through the first class, and I left, and I called my husband. I'm crying. And I said, this isn't right. This isn't it. He goes, no. He says, return all your stuff and come home. So I came home, and then the next semester I signed up for psychology classes. It was psychology from then on. And then it finished my associates here, went on for undergrad, and then graduate work. Okay, that's fantastic. I'm going to go back to something you said, though, that you started here, and it just didn't work out, and so you stopped. What, what, what happened? I was young. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Uh I had no direction. So it's like, all right, I'll go to school for business, right? I didn't even really know what that was. So I did did some prerequisites, hung around for a year and a half or so. But again, without the direction that I thought I had when I came back, but then, which I then eventually found, then I was full steam ahead. And see, I think that's a really common story. I, I hear this a lot. A lot of students, you know, they've gone off to whatever four-year university after they graduated from high school. They go mm-hmm. there. They totally flounder while they're there. Then they come <laughs> they come back home with their tail between their legs, and they you go bet. to Harper, and they're like, oh, my goodness, I should have started here. Yes, you should have oh, started gosh. here. So. Oh, yes. <laughs> when I came back, and I was in my 30s, uh-huh. when I came back, I had no idea if this was going to work, right. if I could do this, if this was going to work with my family, like I had, I had no clue. Yeah. So this was this was a this was a decent risk. I mean, this was a reasonable risk. Right. I could try this. I could come for a semester. I think I only had two classes my first semester. It was not going to cost me a fortune, and I could figure it out. And then when that went swimmingly well, and I started coming back full time. The thought that I could still get my associates for such a reasonable amount of money right. before, because I was going to have to spend a fortune later. I knew it. I knew it. I was going to. I had to go to grad school to do what I wanted to do, so that I could save in the beginning 
was huge. Yeah, it makes a huge difference in the in the, in the total difference. cost. Yeah, you bet. It makes and it's a great school. I'm a big Harper fan. Big Harper fan. Yeah, uh, I had trusty Bill Kelly on the show once. Bill yeah, Kelly. and uh, we were we were we became distinguished alumni the same okay. year. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, he said that if you took the money that you saved, the diff- the cost and tuition difference between going oh. to Harper and going to let's say NIU, your first two years, if you took mm-hmm. that and just dropped it in the S and P five hundred and left it until you retired, <laughs> you'd have one point five million dollars. Oh my word! Right. So think about that. Think about right. how much money you saved by coming here. And so. and. And NIU is pretty reasonable. Right, right, right. Right? Now let's talk about the difference between this and a Big Ten school. Right. Or this and an out-of-state school. Or, or the privates in the area, right? Or the privates yeah, in the area. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, it's a huge difference that people need to keep in mind. I know while you were at Harper, you were on the Harper speech team, which I work with regularly. Tell me about your involvement <laughs> oh, with the team. Marsha LaTrenta. Oh, yeah, Marsha. Marsha LaTrenta. I, you have to take a speech class. And I was being asked to speak and was terrified to do it. So I said, I'm going to do this speech class. I'm going to do this, right? And I was so afraid, but but had some kind of aptitude for this. So Marcia said, I think you should join the speech team. And I went, <laughs> no, no. Thank, thank you so much. That's very kind. I'm not doing that. And then the next semester, I took speech two with her. And she said, come on, come on, come on. And I went, oh, my gosh, this is going to be me. I'm by this time 30, 30 Five, 36, 37 years old, uh-huh. traveling with these 18 and 19-year-olds, right. right? I was like the grandma. But it turned out that there, she had talked another returning student, that I'm doing air right. quotes, returning student. And so we did it together. We had the best time. It was perfectly wonderful. I learned more than I ever even thought I could learn. And then she and I went on to do uh, – we did – programs we did entertaining programs for groups for like the next 10 years okay that's fun yeah so it became part of my career and public speaking has been part of my career ever since what was it like being on the speech team i mean i know that you were the older person on the team but what what do you do on the speech team for people who don't know what do you what's that involved It's, it's amazing you um you develop speeches in different areas mm-hmm. Right there's prose, there's poetry, there was speech to entertain, there was informative speeches, and so you would develop these speeches and then perform them for judges. So a speech tournament, they have one here every year. There's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of students. You go in this little room where there's like five students and the judge, you do the speech, and if you break, meaning if your speech is good enough to be the the best one out of whatever. Out of five or six that are in the out room. Out of five or six. Yeah. Well, no, it's more than that. We, the because, other rounds, yeah. yeah right, yeah, the other rounds. Yeah. So if you, if you get that, then you go into a final round where you do your speech again. And then sometimes... You get medals, like you get you get cool trophies. I have trophies. I have like I have plunder from my time on the speech team. It was great. It was it was also made me grow in ways I didn't even know I needed to grow because you lose more than you win, right? right? And that's no fun. Nobody likes to lose, but but winning is a lot of fun. I didn't realize Absolutely. winning was so much fun. Winning can be winning fun, can be yeah. A lot of but fun. you can learn a lot from losing. Totally. So. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I love working with the students on the speech team. It's always a good time. I get to travel with them every once in a while and then go judge some tournaments. So it's fun. It's not my primary thing here, but it's, it's fun. Did you to work do, with so. Haley Moulton? No, no, oh, I didn't. Shoot. She is my great niece. 
Okay. And she was on the team, I think, two or three years ago. Okay. I, I may have and, and just not know Maybe. it. But yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you said that you knew you were going to go to graduate school yes. after Harper. So what did you do after Harper? You did your undergraduate degree and then graduate school. Where'd you go? What'd you I do? went to Roosevelt. Roosevelt was on campus one day. Okay. And I knew they were local. Right. I wanted to clearly I had two kids. I'm not going to go away somewhere. So it had to be somewhere in the Chicago area. So I had spoken to them and they were very kind to me in admissions. And so I thought, perfect. I'm just going to go to Schaumburg, just going to go to the Schaumburg campus. Well, turns out you can't get all the classes at the Schaumburg campus. But they had a van that took us back and forth every day. It was (laughs) by hands down the best deal ever. So I did my undergrad at Roosevelt and then went from there to um, to Trinity okay. in Deerfield to do my master's. And how did that go? It was brutally hard. Brutally yeah. hard. Yeah, it was wonderful, but it was uh-huh. really hard. Yeah. I, I uh, People tell me all the time, oh, I'm thinking about going to graduate school. And I'm like, mm, maybe think again. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, so. it's the cool thing about it is there's nothing – that you do there that isn't about your focus. Right. So you're done with prerequisites. You're done. Well, I had a couple of them at Trinity, but not much. But everything is, oh, my gosh, I am going to use this when I am face-to-face with clients. Right. This I need to remember. Statistics, not so much. But this this I need to remember. Right. Yeah, I remember in graduate school, you know, reading three or four hundred pages a week oh, and then having to like actually know that information, not just skimming it, but you, you had to actually know that information and and come to class and be prepared to answer those questions, yes. you know, and it was it was intense. It was two years of very intense study for me. How long was your program? It was three years altogether because I had a uh, I had an internship. OK, but yeah. tomes, right? Books that were right. inches thick. Yeah, that were <laughs> incomprehensible for the most part that you, in fact, needed to be able to to talk about to talk reasonably about right yeah. yeah you had to be knowledgeable about it and or and if you weren't they'd call you out on it so <laughs> yes. yeah yeah absolutely yes. um i was looking at your website and um i i find it interesting that your practice involves marriage and budget counseling yes would you talk to us about why those two issues go together <laughs> I, <laughs> having been divorced twice oh, i know why yes, they go together you totally but... <laughs> know why they go together um money when this, in fact, it's how I got into my field. I was volunteering mm-hmm. at my church, and I had been a single parent. I had been divorced and was a single parent. And then when I remarried, now I wasn't working two or three jobs anymore, and I could volunteer places. So I went to church, and I said, what do you guys need? And they said, well, how about this, how about this budgeting ministry? And I said, that's my jam. Right. right. I wouldn't know what to do with a million dollars, but I can make five into ten. I can do that. So I learned a lot about not just the budgeting process, but how to teach that and how to be kind and compassionate when you're doing that. And somewhere in there, uh, a a therapist that worked there said, hey, would you do this for money? And I'm like, yes. Yes, Yes. I would. (laughs) Yes, in fact, I would. So while I was in grad school, I had a, a budget counseling practice that wasn't therapy. It was just budget so that when I when I got my degree, when I got my license, now I do both of these out of one place. And mm-hmm. many people will come for budget counseling, kind of get their affairs in order, and then stay for marriage counseling, or the other okay. way around, because All money right. is such a huge thing in marriage. 
Yeah. Um, so, so they come to you for one and then wind up for both yes. is what you're saying. That's, I think that's really interesting. Tell me about what else you do in your practice. What, what does it mean to be a, a licensed uh, practicing counselor? What does that mean? I sit with either individuals or couples. I don't work with kids. So I started about age 18. Mm-hmm. And we sit and work through whatever it is that is the thorn in their side. If okay. it's a couple, it's usually their relationship. At that point, my client becomes the relationship, right? Not one or the other. I can't align with one or the other. But with couples, the, the client is the relationship. Any, any individuals that come in, they are my client. And so I'm walking with them as they are working through something, um, trying to make a decision. I don't give advice I'm not directive in any way. Counselor sounds like I'm going to say, well, here's what you should do. What you should do, right. Because I know, because I'm all wise. No. But but I walk with people and, because I have this very expensive education, bring bring a perspective to the table, bring a way to look at things to the table, bring tools to the table that they didn't have before that will be useful in deciding what that next step is going to be. Okay. What do you think the most common problem is with, uh, particularly with marriage relationships, besides money? Communication. Communication. That's the hands down, which is how the book came about. Right. Yeah, I want to talk to you about your book um, because I'm looking, and you've written four books. I have, in fact, written four books. Yes. And I'm struggling to write four chapters. You know. So (laughs) how? How does one write four books? How does one, first off, how does one write a book? <laughs> okay. <laughs> how does one write four, I guess? Is, yeah. Uh, one I was hired to write, the the first money book, The Degunking okay. Your Personal Finances. I met a guy on a plane. And by the time we got off the plane, he was going to send me a contract to write to write that first book. Okay. The, the fiction, and the, the last three were self-published, be aware. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to get a book published. Yes. Uh, but the, the fiction came about, I've been to Ireland several times. And while I was there, I had this I- idea for a book. I was in line at the, you want the long story? I was in line at the airport. Yeah. And then <laughs> this couple in front of me, clearly, one of them was getting on the plane and one of them was not. And so every four steps, the woman would burst into tears. They would get out of line. She would mop it up. They would get back in line, four more steps, and she would burst into tears again. And I'm like, what would that be like? Right. To be in love with someone in a different country, mm-hmm. that would be hard. And so that started perking. So I grad, I got my undergrad degree from Roosevelt and then wrote, took a year and wrote nothing random. Mm-hmm. And then when that was done, then started grad school. Okay. And so I did it. Uh, Anne Lamott, do you know Anne Lamott? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She wrote a book called Bird by Bird. And I didn't read this until long after I'd written the book. But but it's that. You sit down at the same time every day. You write for about the same number of either hours or words every day. This becomes what you do from this time to this time. Right. If you wait until you have time, if you wait until right 11 o'clock at night, unless that's your, unless that's your time, which it is yeah. not for me. See, see, I just don't have the willpower because I was trying that method. I was trying every morning mm-hmm. from uh, 6.30 a.m. until 6.50. That's it. Wow. I was just 
Well, I get up at four, so I was just going to write from 6.30 to 6.50. Yeah. Would you like my card? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But it just like, and then, you know, like life starts happening and it blows up and then you can't stick to the practice and get the writing done. So like, how did you stay so motivated to keep to the practice of that? Well, this was my job for that year. Okay. I had not started school. I had not started grad school because I was doing this. Okay. And I'm, that's how I am. Yeah. You got the willpower to do it. Well, stubborn, I think, is the word that most people use. Yes. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with being stubborn. It's it's an Irish trait. It's an Irish trait, exactly. (laughs) And I have to tell you, it was so much fun. So much fun. I loved it. I couldn't wait to sit down. And then the whole rest of the day, I was thinking about what was going to happen next. Okay. There is a... um, tiny little spoiler alert there's a there's a death somewhere in the book well there's a death in almost every book and so i had i had talked to people in ireland i had to take many many trips to ireland it was i have to you know such a strain so awful really took one for the team there so awful to go to ireland terrible i've been once i I thoroughly enjoyed my trip it was great i've enjoyed every trip and um so i had talked to all these people about what are funerals like in ireland and how do you do this and and then came home and was going to write that section of the book. And then my friend who lives there, her mother-in-law died. Okay. So I turned to my husband and I went, uh, <laughs> I've been home like a week. I said, I could go to a real funeral. And he goes, oh, you, you have to go. He was right. so patient, so good. That's yes. good. So I went back and I went to the funeral and wrote the whole thing differently than uh-huh. I would have. Okay. That's good. It's good. It, 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 personal experience. What about the first book, the the finance book? Um, tell me more about that. What is what is that about? It is kind of a step by step. Some parts of it are dated now because technology has come so right. far, but it's a step by step kind of manual in how to manage your finances in a way that that will get you to financial freedom. So get out of debt. Um, spend less than you earn so that you can save just these because if you're starting way out here if you're starting with a lot of debt and don't know how to manage things to even stop creating more debt right having steps having definitive steps to take is really helpful really helpful and to make everything very visible have it right in front of you. And again, now there are so many apps. There's Mint. There's Every Dollar. There's all these things that can be on your phone that can that can alert you when these things happen. Right. Is the book still available? Uh, I think it is. I think, oh, I think if you went on Amazon, you could get it for a penny. A penny? A penny plus $3.99 shipping. Yes. <laughs> Maybe I get it Prime free shipping. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> exactly. It's out of print. It's yes, out of print. It's out of print. So rare copy. Rare yeah. Copies, but okay. Yeah. That's that's very cool. Um, another thing I was noticing on your website, you talk a lot about empathy. Oh gosh, empathy. One Tell me about empathy. Why words. do you talk about empathy so much? Because it is define empathy. Empathy is the capacity for understanding someone else's feelings. It's not okay. feeling their feelings with them. It's not oh you're sad so I'm sad. It's oh. You're sad because this. So it's um, emotion plus situation equals empathy. Okay. You feel sad because your tire's flat and now you can't get to work. Or you feel frustrated because your tire's flat and now you can't get to work. 
right? You feel sad because you can't make yourself sit down and write in the morning. Right. So it's the it's the the kind of vision that you that you learn to almost gift someone because it's completely other focused. Empathy is completely other focused. It doesn't matter how I feel about your situation. It makes absolutely no difference if I have felt the same thing. Right. That's not even a part of the discussion. This is all about you. Okay. You feel blank because blank. All right. And what do I do with that? How do I help someone with empathy? First of all, and especially in our culture the way it is now, the very act of giving time okay. and, and being completely other-focused is so unusual as to be Haley's comment. Yeah. Everything is brevity now, right? We're texting, we're emailing, we're quick calling, we're all, you know, Instagram and Facebook and very little is face-to-face. So to sit down and look at someone and gift your time and your skill is huge. So an essential part of empathy is listening. Yeah, it's, you, yes. Yeah. It's listening and responding well because you can mm-hmm. listen well and respond badly. Right. I can listen to you and then say, oh, I know exactly how you feel because I went through that same thing last year and this is what I did. And you're going, who cares? Right. Right. You're not me. Our situations are not the same. And right. honestly, I don't care what you did. Right. <laughs> this is it. It is caring without self. Mm-hmm. But it is doing that. It's doing it in a skilled way. Yeah. It's doing it with some learning behind it. So that okay. was the, the care talk books with little tiny skinny books that are very specific in how to do that. Okay. How to gift someone of your time and care. I have a weird question for okay. you. Does that make you tired? Uh, do you feel emotionally exhausted from listening to people all day for work? No. No. Because, okay. because again, it creates distance. I care deeply about my clients, mm-hmm. but their problems are not my problems. Right. Right. I have to be able to do my job well. I have to be able to leave that at work. Okay. But, but my care can be can be deep and meaningful because it doesn't have anything to do with me because it's not based on shared experience if if good counseling was based on shared experience i could never i could never work with someone that was in the tsunami unless right. i was in the tsunami too right and then my experiences would get all mixed up with theirs mm-hmm. so good empathy creates distance it's it's work my job is is I love my job, but and my job is tiring, but it's not tiring because I'm so involved in everybody's emotions. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I think uh, what you're saying too a little bit is this idea that I think a lot of us uh, have have come to know over the years as we grow and mature that a lot of times if you if you need advice about something that you're um, wanting to do or shouldn't do. Asking someone who knows you very well might not be the best solution, <laughs> right? The, it might be best to go to someone who's completely outside yeah. of your sphere of influence. Or that's right? that's so. what Google's for. And um, that's what Google's right. for. Yeah. The, if you're going to ask advice, and I think, I think what we do as people is is assume people want our advice. There's right. quite a lot of 
of unasked for advice floating around out there. I think a good rule of thumb is assume no one wants your advice right. unless it's asked. And even if someone does ask you, there, there's only two options with that. If I give you advice and it goes well, what have you learned? I learned that you give good exactly. advice. Exactly, you learned to ask me. <laughs> and if I give you terrible advice and it falls apart, it's all it's your fault. All my fault. That's right. So there's there's not a lot of win actually in giving yeah. advice. Yeah, I'll, students will often ask for advice about majors and where to go to school and things oh, like gosh. that, and I'll just always you know ask them to you know tell me what it is that that you really are wanting to try to do, and then I can only tell you what some possibilities are, but I can't tell you what to do. Right. right? Um, I used to teach. Um, um, filmmaking and you know my thing I was always I can't teach you to be creative I can give you all the tools to be creative right. and, and put you in the position to be creative but your creativity has to come from you right you, you know so yeah, yeah so I totally get it I yeah, will have that clients that say oh come on just tell me what to do right <laughs> even though I'm not going to they know I'm right. not going to right please tell just me what to tell do. me what you think I should do nope <laughs> I'm not That's doing great. that so you became a Harper Distinguished Alumni in 2010. What was that like for you? I have to tell you that that is um, in the top probably three greatest honors of my life. Wow. Yeah. Harper meant so much to me. I had a wonderful experience here. And this was, this was when I realized that because I had been on my own, very entrepreneurial – Mm-hmm. You know, and so, so I counted on myself for encouragement or that kind of thing. But when I got here, there was nowhere in my life that hard work was rewarded more than at Harper. Okay. If you worked hard, there was somebody standing right there saying, hey, I've noticed that you work hard. How about this? Why don't you join this? How about you do a commercial for Harper? How about you, you know, how about you get into the Phi Theta Kappa? How about you join the speech team? Mm-hmm. There, was, there was someone standing there waiting to be encouraging. And I'm like, wow, I love it here. If I could have stayed here all four years, I would have. Yeah. And the teaching. We, I hear that yeah, a lot. Yeah. And the yeah. teaching was outstanding and the. The place is beautiful, and there's art hanging everywhere, and the bathrooms are always clean. I mean, there's just there's <laughs> nothing not to like here, right? You know, I uh, w- while you're telling me that, I just low key uh, looked you up on LinkedIn real quick <laughs> just to make sure because I kind of low key harass our alumni about this. Uh, you have Harper College listed on your education on your page proudly. on LinkedIn proudly. proudly. And sometimes when I'm interviewing people, I'm like, you're a distinguished Harper alumni and you don't oh. have Harper College listed on your mm-mm. Give and me I kinda, their names. Yeah, low-key shame them, you right? You, know? <laughs> so. you bet. I have my Harper, I have my diplomas in my office just in case anybody's, you know, like going, Checking did, you, you, out. Yeah. did you actually yeah. graduate? Harper's right. right there proudly hanging. Yeah. I, I always talk about that with folks because, um, and I think folks in our uh, college foundation would echo this. A lot of people, when they go to school, when they go to a community college, when they leave, what they identify with is the place where they finish their undergraduate degree. And that's whose T-shirt they wear and who they donate to at uh, giving time and whose homecoming they visit and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. And it's like, well, well wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. What about yeah. us? You know, so I always like to check and see if people are listing Harper on their uh, on their LinkedIn profile. Absolutely. So. No disrespect to the other two fine institutions I right. attended, but Harper was my favorite, hands down, hands yeah. down. 
Well, speaking of giving, um, you started started the Distinguished Alumni Scholarship or co-started, co-founded? I was, I was asked to head it up. Okay. I wish I could say that it was my idea. It was not. Okay. All right. But I was asked to head it up. All right. And I did. So tell me about the scholarship. What's what's going on there? We, um, I harassed every, many times harassed every distinguished alumni. Mm-hmm. And we gathered over the course of, oh gosh, six, seven, eight months or so, um, about $18,000. Wow. Towards the scholarship. We wanted it to be endowed so that it would, it would give every year. Right. So my my thought, because you know, if you're going to shoot, why not shoot for the stars? Right. I wanted a hundred thousand dollars in there, okay. and I'm still harassing people, so that we could gift someone an entire year of Harper with with the interest that that produced, okay, into perpetuity. Mm-hmm. So now what happens is, and again, still harassing people, uh, it it gets a little larger every year, which gives it a little more interest. And then we throw a little more on top of that. Okay. And then that'll that'll gift the person that wins enough to make a substantial difference. We I have to tell you, we read probably twenty five applications that are vetted for the Distinguished Alumni Scholarship. It is the hardest decision to make. Right. I wish we had five of them to give out. I wish we had ten of them to give out. Student on top of student, hardworking, doing everything that they can do mm-hmm. in sometimes dire financial situations where this this money is going to make a big difference. It's this life could changing. Be the, yeah. Life changing. This yeah. could be the difference on whether they get to come to school or not. Mm-hmm. It's humbling. Yeah. Well, well, let me ask you a question then. Because uh, some, something I'm personally interested in, and I think people listening might be interested in, how do you ask people for money? Nobody <laughs> wants to ask people for money, no. right? Like that's Nobody like the big no-no. You don't talk money. about money, right? Right. Yeah. How do you ask people for money? I. Uh, it was easier for me because we were distinguished alumni. Okay. And so there's a cohort group. They know who you a, are. It's yeah. a co- well, they didn't know who I was. They know now. They kind of dread my emails right. now. But. Um, <laughs> But, but we are, we're in a cohort, and we're in a cohort that honored us. And we all love Harper. Mm-hmm. So to go to, to go to everyone and say, you guys, it's the least we can do. It's the least we can do. Look what Harper has done for us. Right. So was it guilt? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think there was guilt in there. I think there was, yeah. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm check, checking all the psychological words. Yeah, mm-hmm. guilt. I think it's you to come and work on our scholarship fund. I think it's you. Uh, oh you no, because I'm still working on mine. <laughs> you could but, do two at a time. <laughs> but people were, people were kind and people were giving and and it really has gone very well. That's good. And so we get together not in the last two years, but but usually we have a dinner at my house to choose the recipient and and have a wonderful time. Well, that's fantastic. I love it. I love that you're giving back in that way and that group of people is giving back in that way as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes a huge difference. Uh, I donate um, to the college every year through the um, the Promise Fund and then particularly to the radio station fund and uh, do the same at my undergraduate institution as mm-hmm. well. And, 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 you know, you get the little... Um, 
you know, Harper will always, the foundation does a really great job. They'll send you little notes, thank you notes from a student, yes. handwritten. or I you got get one a little last vi- week. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you get a little video and, you know, like the cynic in me is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot. <laughs> but but like the, the warm hearted person in me is like, that's really cool. They sent me a really nice they note. Sent I appreciate me a letter. that. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Yes. I appreciate it. So yes. it's fun. Um, I always ask all the guests on the show, um, what advice do you have for two groups of people? Okay. okay? Um, someone who is maybe considering coming to Harper College but isn't sure, okay. you know, that un- kind of undecided student, oh, I'm going to go off to whatever school. And the other one is advice for current Harper students about what to do while they're here. Okay. Yeah. For people thinking about coming, other than just saying, Yes, do that. Right. <laughs> uh, I would, I would ask them to look very carefully at reasons they wouldn't come. Right. It's kind of a slam dunk uh-huh. in terms of quality of education and reasonable financial cost. All, all of those are kind of a gimme. Mm-hmm. So I think it's more about well, gosh, why wouldn't you do that? Mm-hmm. And for some students, it's, well, I want to I go to away to school. I want to have the away to school thing. Well, you can kind of mimic that. You can get an apartment close by. I mean, there's, there's things you can do right. to still avail yourself of everything that Harper has to offer, which is legion. Legion. You will, you will find people here that will, that will hugely help the next step of your education. Mm-hmm. I got a large scholarship at Roosevelt because of how well I had done here. Right. Right? I see that a lot. It can only help. Mm -hmm. It can only help. So I think that's what I would say to people. I mean, if they're not sure about Harper, then there's lots that you could say, and there's many people that you could speak to. But the quality of the institution has never been in question. Right. So So what would make you not come? Right. I think is a is a bigger question. Okay. And for people that are here, stay. Mm-hmm. Right? Don't just go to class and go home. Yeah. Stay. <laughs> go to a play. I mean, the last two years have been very difficult and right. we've not been able to enjoy everything that Harper has always offered. But but there's I think there's a place you can play pool. There's there's a million places on campus where people meet. Mm-hmm. Have a cup of coffee. Do your study group here. S- speak with professors mm-hmm. afterward. Take a swim. Like, really enjoy the campus. Do things that you wouldn't do anywhere else. Right. I talk about that with the students all the time. Like, you really, you know, the college experience is much more than going to class. Yes. And taking a class and doing your work. It's meeting other people and meeting people that you wouldn't necessarily meet otherwise as you well. Bet. Right? And, and people from different places and cultures and backgrounds. And that is part of what shapes you as a person. And that's part of what college is about. Um, but so many students are so focused on, I've got to collect these credits to graduate. And they're not concerned about the the big picture of what the education really is. Right. You know, so. And there are so many clubs, so many things, right. so many extra things that can be done here that are that are way fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, totally fun, but that can also be can help incredibly once you go to your next institution. Mm-hmm. My son, uh, my son was here for his first year and played pool. He's always played pool and was got so good here that when he went to ISU, 
he was on the pool team there. They won. They sent him to Vegas for this <laughs> incredible, like, national pool thing, which was the right. weirdest thing I've ever seen yeah. in my life. What you do at Harper? I learned to play pool. I play <laughs> pool, exactly. That's great. Well, Shannon, I could talk to you all day. I really appreciate you coming on the show today and being here. I thank you for everything that you do for the foundation oh, and for our it's students. Uh, it's it's fantastic. It was fun to talk to you. And you. And, uh, and I look forward to maybe having you again sometime. That'd I'd be great. love that. Okay, okay. great. Shannon Plate is a graduate of Harper College and a 2010 Distinguished Alumni. If you're enjoying Harper Talks, please subscribe. And while you're at it, rate and review us so that others might find us. Harper Talks is a co-production of Harper College Alumni Relations and Harper Radio. Our show is produced by Shannon Hines. This episode was edited by Brian Diaz. Our online content producer is Ashley Rosenthal. Our theme music was created by Aiden Cashman. I'm Brian Shelton. Thanks for listening.